0: Mental health, what do those words make you think of? In our modern American society, the topic of mental health is controversial. But if there's one thing that recent years have shown us, especially with a worldwide pandemic and rising suicide rates, it's that the issue of mental health can no longer be ignored. For our national culture, this has been a recent development. But for Dr. Erica Steele, it was a lifelong reality she never had the option to ignore her mother's multiple personalities.
1: I don't know if you know anything about multiple personalities, but um, anything can set them off and trigger them, Mm -hmm. and then they'll go into another personality. So one of her personalities is actually homicidal.
0: Dr. Steele quickly learned that mental health was not just mental health. It requires physical, spiritual, emotional, and environmental well-being. By watching her mom, she realized that separating the mind from the heart, body, and surroundings was the first step to mental illness.
1: I mean, I have memories of actually going to visit her and Mm -hmm. playing hopscotch and stuff like that in the courtyard. And then they would kind of get her medications tweaked, and then she'd be out for a little while. that'd maybe last for like two, three months, and then another crash back again. You know, it was like, it was just on and on and on.
0: Though her experience with her mother was traumatic... She chose to turn it into something beautiful. She used her experience to extend a hand to countless others, offering a way for anyone to have a healthy, simple lifestyle.
1: I also wanted to create family practice so I could teach families how to be in a healthy dynamic, right? Yeah. How to help, you know, the husband and the wife be, you know, good good, you know, to each other and learn right. you know, how to communicate and be with each other. Learn how to teach them how to stay together and stay married for the sake of their children, how to teach them how to parent. You know, yes. so many people literally have no basic life skills, no basic survival skills. They just don't know. And they're looking right. for somebody to help teach them.
0: Thank you for joining us for this episode of Kava. Welcome back to Kava the podcast. I'm Kelly Archibald, and I want to thank you for tuning in. We live in a crazy world, so we made this podcast to shine some hope into your life. Our guests have lived through some incredible things, both good and bad, and they want to share their stories with you. Listeners like you make this podcast possible. If you've been inspired or encouraged by these stories, please consider supporting us on Patreon or contacting us about sponsorship opportunities. You can find more information about us at kavahpodcast.com. That's Q-A-V-A-H podcast.com
1: I would say my first memory would be playing um at my house with my mother um, we ha- I had a, a big wheel when I was growing up. And so and I always loved bikes. I mean, I remember really early on riding bikes and yes. then, you know, carrying that up even into um, even into my adulthood, I still cycle to this day. Okay. Um, so I would say just living a very carefree life. I always, you know, I always loved people. So I was always mm. really like just loving people. And I really loved, I'm, I'm a writing prodigy, And so I also really loved language and words. So mm. when I was five, um, learning how to, you know, you get those little books or whatever you learn your alphabet. Yes. Well, once I kind of learned my alphabet, um and words and stuff I mean I would write pages and pages and pages and the the teachers were like oh my gosh what's wrong with this kid (laughs) um and of course that launched into you know being tested for gifted Mm. and you know my my whole kind of education trajectory had changed at that point so um that was kind of all in the same the same instance
0: that's awesome so where did you grow up
1: So I partially grew up in Virginia and then partially grew up in California. So, uh, you know, my parents were both Marines. I kind of went back and forth between the two. They divorced when I was two years old. Mm -hmm. Um, So I, I, yeah, I kind of, I feel like I was very much a latchkey kid in the sense that I was just bouncing around from, you know, place to place. I mean, Irvine, California, as well as um, in uh, Norfolk, Virginia. So, um, but I enjoyed it. You know, I felt like my, my childhood was very rich in the sense that, um, you know, I could, I was very versatile and I could mm-hmm. just, you know, go anywhere and be any anywhere and meet anybody and,
0: right. you know, could could do that. That's awesome. So who was in your family of origin? You had your parents that divorced, so you had a mom yep. and a dad. Okay.
1: So I had, a, so I had my mother. Um, my mother got remarried um, to the son of a Baptist preacher. Um, probably when I was in my, I don't know, it was probably like eight, nine, ten in that area of the world, um, mm. maybe even a little younger. Um, and then my my father got remarried as well to a geneticist, and so, oh, wow. um, you know, we I, I always had four parents.
0: Okay. So. Did you have any siblings?
1: I did. Um, I do. Actually, I have my older sister. She is uh, eight years older than me. And then my young, youngest brother ben- beneath me um, is eight years younger. And then I have a really young brother who's, who's much younger than me. Um, and then on my dad's side, he had one other child. So my mother had four children and my father had two children. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, a lot of siblings.
0: Yes, a lot of siblings. Though her life was divided between these two homes, Erica was never far from the people she loved. She was a bright child who loved following in her mother's footsteps. But the shadow of mental illness was following her mother too, and Erica's life changed when her mother's health did.
1: You know, I would run around labs with my stepmom, who was a geneticist, but also my mother took me to um, you know, college classes with her. So I got to sit in on like organic chemistry classes and I got to go, you know, into all of the labs with her. My mother was actually on track to be a doctor. She was in the marks program. Um, and, and did cancer research with NIH wow. until, she had, um, until she had a psychotic break. And so I think those memories mm-hmm. were definitely fond yeah. um, because my mother was very ill. Um, you know, she suffers from uh, multiple personalities, bipolar, manic depressive. Wow. Um, and so my childhood was kind of um, absorbed, if you will, by yeah. her illness.
0: Erica loved her mom, and when she fell sick, Erica was instantly obsessed with finding a cure but she quickly learned that it wasn't a simple answer
1: traditional allopathic medicine you know drug therapies didn't didn't necessarily work or they would only work temporarily so right. i also grew up doing all the Native American ceremonies. Mm-hmm. So I grew up doing vision quests and I grew up doing, um, you know, sweat lodges mm-hmm. and, and all the, all the different native, uh, ceremonies, prayer ties and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. and, but my mother also had me do like Reiki attunements and rebirthings and acupuncture and all kinds of things, mm-hmm. um, to, to help heal. So it was like, I grew up understanding that there was the science that you could prove or disprove, but there was also this faith-based, more energetic uh, mode of healing. Mm. that you couldn't necessarily prove or disprove but that you knew um, existed and then also
0: could work yes so your mom was native american yeah actually correct? both
1: my parents have okay. native background so okay. um my father um comes from uh, the potawatomi indians my mother's cherokee and blackfoot okay so i have it i have it actually on both sides of my family okay um which is which is uh, a little unique i think yeah um, yeah. And so um, it's very cool to, to have that. And then also to combined with, um, you know, just having that cultural component, because, you know, a lot of people, you know, they may be Native American, but they don't they don't really have any cultural attachment right. to what that means. Where whereas I'm Native American and I, I grew up in the
0: Native way. And okay. so I'm very, very grateful for yeah. that. So so in the Native way, does that mean that like. You ate certain a certain way? or No, a not okay. particularly. I okay. mean, I did
1: grow up a vegetarian, but, okay. but that wasn't really part of a, okay. a, a my, my Native American. It was more of the ceremony work okay. and more of the, the spiritual okay. aspects of it.
0: Erica's cultural heritage gave her a unique perspective on her mother's illness. Unlike the majority of Americans, Erica grew up with a firm grasp on the relationship between body, soul, spirit, and environment. Everything and anything was a factor in this mental health battle. Unfortunately, however, her mother's approach to healing was unsuccessful, and she continued to decline as Erica grew older. So at what point in your childhood did your mother start exhibiting symptoms? I was
1: pretty young. I was okay. probably, yeah, maybe, like I said, maybe six, seven, eight okay. in that area. Yeah, and okay. she would she'd have a psychotic break and she would hit the bed and she, she wouldn't come up for a month. Um, oh, yeah. and then they would, you know, kind of get her up and they would put her in a hospital. She'd be in there for like another month. I mean, I have memories of actually going to visit her and mm-hmm. playing hopscotch and stuff like that yeah. in the courtyard. And then they would kind of get her medications tweaked and then she'd be out for a little while. that that maybe lasts for like two, three months and then another crash back again. Yeah. You know, it's like, it was just on and on and on.
0: Wow. So so as a child, what did you understand was happening?
1: Um, I, I, I knew my mom was sick. Okay. Um, the other piece of it, my mom was very violent, too. And um, I don't know if you know anything about multiple personalities, but um, anything can set them off and trigger them, mm-hmm. and then they'll go into another personality. So one of her personalities is actually homicidal, so that was pretty oh, scary wow. growing up. I was terrorized. Um, to the point that I was diagnosed with post-traumatic stress right. at 14 right. and so yeah it was it was very challenging but I, I think it's really allowed me to be a much more empathetic and understanding doctor because I can really be with the human condition and the human experience and not be offended by it right um, I, I can observe it as just kind of a part you know it, it, it's, it's sad in one instance it's like these things shouldn't be normalized. Right. However, for me, they were kind of normalized. So, yes. you know, there, there's a there's a polarity to all things, right? There's a good as well as there's a bad. And so for me, you know, it, it really allows me to just be with the human experience and be yes. able to guide people through the human experience. So in a lot of ways, um, I'm very grateful for my mother and the experience that I've had with her.
0: Wow. So you grew up, um, you went to high school and, and- – were di you were diagnosed with PTSD
1: well I had a kind of it was interesting I I, you know at at 12 years old really things were starting to change because I was starting to get really angry and really rageful Mm. you know because I was very much a target for my mother mother Mm. you know and with her abuse um she kind of abused all of us, but I think my light was, was much more, I I wasn't, I'm not a type of person that like is very obedient. Like I Mm. question things and I ask questions and I'm a free thinker, right? Well, you know, that, (laughs) that doesn't really work well in those types of environments. So there was a lot of friction, you know, that was involved with that. Um, And that just kind of came to a head, you know, at, at, at 14.
0: Feeling deeply hurt by her mother, Erica began a search for meaning at a very young age. She was no stranger to deep and unusual thoughts. She took her future into her own hands and shaped it to what she wanted it to be.
1: I met my first love when I was 12, and that really changed a lot of things for me and really opened up a lot of things. And um, uh, I really started to learn what love was and is, rather. Um, and really got to experience more, you know, his, his parents were hippies and were in like hair and stuff like uh-huh. that. So, yeah. you know, I got this yeah. whole like 1960s vibe. I remember, you know, dancing around in my living room to like the doors, the oh end, my right? like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I was in a whole different paradigm, right? Yes. And so, and being a writer and just being drawn to so much of the creative movement and then the, the dark era stuff, you know? Aldous Huxley and the doors of perception. And, you know, I followed Ken Kesey and the Mary Pranksters and all the, the, those just amazing um, prolific visionaries of, of the 1960s. So, you know, there was all that kind of melding. And then, you know, I was in an advanced studies diploma, I would have graduated early, but honestly, without the lack of support at home, Um, I just ended up saying I'm done. I I made a choice um, when I was 16 years old. I was in um, 10th grade. I made a choice to leave leave school, get my GED, and start my career. I went into massage school and became a massage therapist at 16 and opened my first company at
0: 17. Erica quickly became independent of her mother, but still longed to help her heal. But first, she had to make her way in the world. Continuing to live at home and having a normal childhood hadn't ever really been an option.
1: I realized pretty early on that, like, either either she was going to kill me or I was going to kill her because it was just getting to the point where wow. I just couldn't I couldn't manage being the target of her illness. Wow. And later on down the road, you know, we've healed a lot. And, and as adults, you know, she said, "You know, I was really fighting myself. You just happened to be there, kind of thing." Wow. Um, and, and I I can see that it, it wasn't me. It was really a projection of, of, of her inner mental turmoil and struggle. And so I just knew for me in order for me to, to live the mission that God had put into my life and into my spirit and my heart to be a doctor and to help people heal that I needed to move out of that situation. And so I literally left with, um, the clothes on my back, not even a photo ID, 16 years old and, um, and disenrolled myself out of, out of my advanced studies diploma, which I'll tell you, that followed me for some years because hmm. I could have gotten to I could have gone to any school right but that it was very painful for me to
0: have to make that decision wow. uh, but I, I I just couldn't I couldn't wow. continue with that so where were you living at the time when you started your massage therapy business
1: I was in uh, Virginia I lived in Ghent so okay. I opened my first company in Ghent. Um, that is in virginia yeah in norfolk yeah 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 it's cool wow and i i I rented a room with some chiropractors and i didn't know anything about marketing and and i worked on a couple jujitsu guys and they invited me to like their their meet or whatever and i was so nervous and so like (laughs) like self-conscious right right? i thought marketing was like putting my cards on the table and praying people picked them up i was so green it was so funny
0: erica was on the fast track of life she chased down her dreams without bothering to waste time. Before long, she had a daughter of her own.
1: One of my greatest dreams was to be married and so I ended up getting married at 18. Okay. Uh, I didn't necessarily know what healthy people were to marry, obviously. Right. Right. Uh, so, right. you know, I married my first husband who's, you know, he, he's another hippie and, you know, it was kind of, sex drugs rock and roll and he was an alcoholic and I got sober, he didn't. Okay. Um, and uh then had my daughter like four days before I turned nineteen and that really changed my world. You know I I felt like oh my gosh, God has given me this life to be responsible for and and I took it very seriously. And um I knew I had to go to you know continue going to school. I mean I I had owned businesses. We moved to Atlanta. I own businesses at that time. Um, and and it was very successful. And so, you know, I think my daughter really kind of made precedence. I decided that, you know, I didn't want her growing up with a dad who, you know, had, had an alcohol problem. Right, and right. I didn't want her thinking that that's what a healthy man looked like. So yes. I made the decision to, uh, separate and divorce from him. And it was very devastating because coming from a divorced family, right. I, I knew the impact of that. Right. Um, and I didn't want to kind of keep that cycle going, but I knew that that wasn't necessarily healthy. So then I moved back to California, um, and, uh, you know, worked and I became, I was, I was always in education too. I should mm-hmm. say that I, I taught anatomy and physiology, um, in schools. And so, um, you know, that kind of carried me in terms of stability while yeah. I did these businesses on the side, you know, doing massage and things like that. Right. And, um, and I moved around a lot, you know, in going to school, I lived in Palm Springs. I lived in Santa mm-hmm. Ana. And I think I was yeah. really just trying to find myself, honestly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and she was so little and, you know, it was fun. And when she turned, five that's kind of what right before she turned five that was kind of like okay I need to pick a place and settle down because she's about to go back to school right um yeah
0: between watching her mother's mental illness journey and experiencing her own life Erica had a pretty good idea by now of what did and didn't work and now it was time to make decisions based on that knowledge it was time to shape a new life that of her daughter
1: I just decided, you know, onward and upward. And right. then I was finishing school, finishing my preceptorships for my doctorate degrees and opening my practice that I that I own now. So, okay.
0: um, yeah, it, it's been a lot of fun. Wow. <laughs> You've had a huge life. Yeah. <laughs> An definitely. absolutely huge life. Um, that's mm-hmm. awesome. So you're, um, so you stayed in California during that time period.
1: Yes, I did. And then I moved, um, I think I was like, 23 it was like 2009 is when I moved from it was you know when when the economy bottomed out in California yes. I took a risk and um I, I was a professor for Kaplan and I took a risk because the classes that I needed to take it was really more of a full-time load than a part-time load mm. and so I dropped down from a full-time load to a part-time load well they wanted it full-time only and this is you know they didn't have online education I mean they had right. it but nobody was really doing it then right and so um You know i i ended up getting laid off and then moved back to orange county and worked for a private school but i could only get part-time work so i was like working three jobs going to school i mean it was like crazy i was you know i don't know if you've ever been to southern california but like costa mesa all the way to fullerton so i'm going like oceanfront all the way to inland i mean i'm like bouncing around i look back (sighs) and go oh my gosh And this is back when, like, the BlackBerry Curve, like, just started the GPS thing. And I Uh. swear that thing was such a lifesaver because you're, you're, if you would have stayed on the interstate, it'd take two hours. Right, right.
0: Right. That's what I was (laughs) thinking. That's crazy. I
1: know it's totally crazy. And I had this French professor that. because I took French from uh, first grade all the way up to, you know, college, and I had this French professor. If you were a minute late, she'd lock the door, right? Oh, and wow. I this class. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I remember this one time I was able to scoot in, like, you know, the doctor held me late, you know, because we were working with a patient or whatever, and I got there, it was like five minutes or whatever, and I slipped in the back, and like, you know, and she's like, mademoiselle, and I just, I like let her have it. I was like, you have no <laughs> idea what I've, been, what I've had to do oh, to get here. You know? Yes. <laughs> was, you know, it was, it Oh, it was yes.
0: really funny. These years of grit and hard work finally paid off, and she became Dr. Erica Steele. That's yeah. awesome. So um, you moved to Virginia and yep. developed your practice that you have now. And what is that, yeah. uh, what is that about?
1: So holistic family practice is really born out of a concept of building a family practice that I would bring my daughter to, you know, I'm very holistic minded. I've always been holistic minded. I mean, being raised a vegetarian and being raised in the gym and, you know, rock climbing and hiking and all that, all those kind of stuff, you know, it's really important to me, you know, to be able to, um, you know, create a practice that really taught about people's health. Not just about managing disease and diagnosing disease and all that kind of stuff, but really something that manages the health of the person and teaches people how to get well. And that's what I've created with holistic family practice is an environment that is more conducive for healing rather than just disease management. So, Mm. um, and because there was no blueprints for what I do and there was no, models you know I had to create my own model and you know holistic medicine naturopathy and functional medicine really weren't that big when I first started I went through my functional training in like 2011 and so really having to just kind of it's really like a jigsaw puzzle right like you get this piece down and then you got to get this piece down and this piece down and so I've had a lot of fun creating a fully sustainable holistic family practice that patients can come to and really get more health care and not just sick
0: Mm, care that's awesome dr Steele's years in school cast a new light on her childhood experience with her mother and it unlocked her compassion for all people who suffer from mental illness so like so as far as your mother like if she were your patient could you treat that
1: Oh yeah. Now, now I can, I, I've trained in genetics, methyl genetics. So I understand the genetic component of it. I understand more of the neurological component of it. I understand more of, uh, the nutritional side of it, the gut brain Mm, connection. I understand the emotional connections, the, the impact of trauma because, you know, she experienced complex trauma and that's really what it it originates out
0: of. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I, I learned a lot. I mean, my, my, um, so, you know, um, a doctor in California created that Adverse Childhood Experiences and um, created a scoring. Well, it scored from like one to five and I scored a 10 based off my childhood experiences. And so I I also wanted to create family practice so I could teach families how to be in a healthy dynamic, right? How to help you know, the husband and the wife be, you know, good, good, you know, to each other and learn how to communicate and be with each other, learn how to teach them how to stay together and stay married for the sake of their children, how to teach them how to parent. You know, so many people literally have no basic life skills, no basic survival skills. They just don't know. And they're looking for somebody to help teach them. And so that's another component of the practice too, is to help really the family unit because that family unit really especially in america has gone through a lot of damage
0: yes yes and and right now i think that with everyone having to be isolated um there's no sense of community for so many people and i think there's um There's a lot of depression and sadness uh, today because of that. We were talking about touch yesterday, about the lack of touch that people have right now. And so what do you think about that as far as during this pandemic, how people are faring in this?
1: Yeah, I think people are definitely experiencing it on multiple levels. I think some people, you know, are really, excuse me, um, are really depressed. They're right. internalized. They're, they feel powerless. They feel helpless. Right. Um, they don't really know what to do with all of those feelings. They're right. having, some of them are having to face themselves for the very first time. Cause you know, when you're busy, you don't get to yes. feel everything. You can just compartmentalize, yes. right? When you have to stop, you have to face yourself.
0: Absolutely. And, and, and then
1: all of a sudden, all the stuff that you really you really don't want to face to begin with starts to come up yes. right and you got to deal with it and if yes. you don't have skills and tools to be able to deal with those things then then it can create volatility both within yourself and then implode in your relationships in mm. your home yes. and i think too it's important for us to be mindful because our children are watching us and it's mm. our goal to model healthy behavior yeah and so if we're not modeling that healthy behavior for them and really teaching not just by you know, do as I do, not as I say, but rather like do as I do because I do, you know? Right. And so um, I think it definitely, uh, it provided a lot of opportunity to reflect yes. about what's really important, Yeah. who's really yes. important yes. What it is that you want to create in your life because, you know, we're not going to be in quarantine forever. No. Um, and when we come out of it, it's like, what did you do with your time spent? You know, I, I often reference it as like God's time out. I've had being such a rebellious wild child, free spirit. Yes. You know, I've had many opportunities for God's yes. time out because he's like, chick,
0: yes. you're just not
1: getting this. Go sit down. And yes. so um, because of that, um,
0: I, I think I was well equipped for this. It wasn't yeah. really that big of a deal. Yes, so. yes, I get that. Uh, so yeah. w- what is your life like today?
1: My life is really amazing. Um, and it's because I've done the work to get mm-hmm. here. Um, I have an incredible practice. I have a loving relationship. I love my daughter. Um, I, I wish she would listen to me more often. Yes. But, you know, I mean, the apple doesn't <laughs> fall far from the tree. Yeah. <laughs> um, I get that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I did, you know, I, I'm developing my writing more now because um, I really put that on the back burner to be able to you know, go for more of the practicality to help raise my daughter. Mm. Um, And i really just, you know, looking to share my message with the world now and be able to teach other people who've been through similar or or even not similar or even worse conditions that I have Mm. and let them know and really be a pioneer and let them know, look, if you just keep going, you you too can get through this. So I really try to be that role model and that leader especially within uh the black community because we're missing so many of those uh, great leaders and role models
0: yes that's awesome so what would you have to say to your like 14 year old self would uh keep have... going keep going yeah <laughs> keep going
1: keep going yeah it works keep out going. doesn't it keep going you yeah. got this yeah keep breathing
0: that's you awesome know.
1: Say no to drugs. (laughs)
0: Yes. (laughs) Yes. All all of the above. Yes. Uh, So, what gave you hope in all of those times that were difficult?
1: um, I think my relationship with God um, Mm. really is what gave me the most, the most hope. You know, when when you don't have kind of role models or people that are really in your corner. The only right. thing left is really God. And and I love Wayne Dyer's take on this. He was talking about how, um, you know, because he, he ra- was raised in orphanages and things like that. And, and he his conversation was, God, you know, put me in these situations to really strengthen my relationship with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and so because of that, I think it's really, really amazing.
0: So um, what would you like people to take away from your story?
1: You know, I think that anything's possible um
0: mm.
1: you know if you number one have an incredible relationship with god i think that um when people just depend solely upon themselves mm. you know the human condition is so you know uh, delusional at times we yes. think we know more far more than what we we actually do know um right. and i think no matter what obstacles and no matter what um, roadblocks are, you know, put in front of you or what hand that you're dealt. It's really just your own personal responsibility and how you play that hand. Yes. Um, you know, and so anybody can get out of any situation that they're in. And I know some people don't necessarily want to hear that conversation right. because they're still looking for somebody to either to save them or mm. they're looking for, um, you know, uh, you know, some pie in the sky situation to happen, you know, yes. but in reality, Uh, it's really up to each and every one of us to really be focused and be prayerful and really be divinely inspired and guided.
0: So tell me where we could find you if we were looking for your practice now.
1: Yeah. So, um, my practice, I do treat people all over the world. Okay. It's, uh, my website is holisticfamilypracticeva.com. You can find uh, both my practice as well as myself on uh, Facebook, as well as Instagram, um, under holistic family practice and Dr. Erica Steele. Um, and so yeah,
0: that's awesome. That would be great. Yes. One thing that I love about you, is you have some really good boundaries and I love your your email that I got back that was like this is when I return emails and that is I, I I sent it to my I well I like copied and pasted what you said and I said hey you should look at this
1: yes yes well I'm so glad that you appreciate my auto email
0: no I love it I love it I think it's the only way to operate because we can just get so distracted oh correct
1: and it requires efficiency you know when yes. I'm treating thousands and thousands of people right in addition to my staff I mean I absolutely have to structure my time I can't yes I can't you know waste my time and you know I mean you know Email, social media, all these things, if not used properly, can really be a time suck. Yes. And then, then you look up, and it's like, what did I accomplish today? And I know. Not much.
0: I know. So I totally appreciate it and was very inspired by that. Very, mm. very much. So thank you. Thank you. Awesome. <laughs> well,
1: thank you. That, I, that sounds so great. I appreciate yeah. telling you telling me that.
0: Well, uh, I I thank you. I think your story is so inspirational, especially today. I think there, yeah. there are a lot of people that... Um, children who are in the position that you were in that you can provide hope for. So thank you for sharing that. Thanks again for listening to Kavala Podcast. It's our joy to share these stories of hope in a confusing world. To keep up with our guests and adventures in podcasting, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We would also love it if you gave us a review on whatever podcasting platform you use. It helps us continue to share hope around the world. We are so grateful for our listeners who financially support Kava the Podcast. If you would like to become a supporter, please consider donating via Patreon or contacting us about sponsorship opportunities. You can find more information at kavapodcast.com. That's Q-A-V-A-H podcast.com. I would like to thank my head writer, Rebecca Gray, and audio engineer, Meredith Douglas. I could not do this without you. You make this happen, and I can't express my gratitude. Maybe you've been listening because you found yourself in a desperate place. We want you to know that all is not lost. It is our desire that you would be able to borrow hope from those who've gone before you, those who've waited to find a positive outcome. Please be sure and connect with us via our website or social media. Until next time, take care of yourselves and each other.